0: Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. For me, what was taught at a young age when it comes to career choices is that you choose a career, you build upon it through school. Once you start your career at a company, then you tend to stick to that field until you retire. However, that's old school thinking, as when I got older, I realized that many professionals have multiple jobs, multiple careers throughout their lifetime. And to help me discuss this topic further, I have invited Andrea Jacob masik to help me discuss her career journey and how the curveballs that she has faced in her career actually helped her pivot to where she wanted to go. So a little bit about Andrea. She's the founder and CEO of her career coaching company, AIM Consulting. She helps recent graduates and young professional women have fulfilling careers. Whether you are going from college to a career or ready to create a new path, she will expertly and personally guide you through the transition. With over a decade of work experience, Andrea has a dynamic background in career development, human resources, healthcare operations, and project management. Now let's get into my discussion with Andrea on how to overcome curveballs to guide you onto the right career path. So one of the things when it comes to careers is that it's never gonna be a straight trajectory. You're gonna have obstacles that will get in your way. And most of the time it's out of your control. And the person I wanted to bring on that experiences twice is Andrea. And Andrea, say hi to uh, my audience.
1: Hey everyone, so glad you're listening.
0: Great, and the reason why I brought her on, as I just mentioned, She had two significant events in her career that derailed her trajectory in terms of her career growth, but she was able to pivot in a way that she's now prosperous than she has ever before. And she told me before this interview is that if it wasn't for those things that happened, she wouldn't be where she is today. So she's very thankful that those obstacles came across her and she was able to overcome them. So with that intro... Let's start off with the first significant event, which is the recession. So why don't you walk us through the recession impact and what was your reaction? Because you were going to graduate your master's at that time, right?
1: Yeah. So first of all, yes, you're absolutely right that these two curveballs, as I call them, definitely... Set me up for success and what I have today. So I am now incredibly grateful for both of these events. But yes, we'll start off with the 2008 recession. So I was about to graduate with my master's degree in business psychology. And the recession had already been in full swing for about six months at that point. So it was a very scary time. So Any recent grad right now, whether high school, college, second degree, third degree, whatever you're doing, certificate, I can completely relate to the apprehension and the nerves and the fear that you're feeling and walking into an unstable job market. And I felt the exact same way. I was really scared about what my prospects looked like. And I think the biggest thing that really hit me was I had to face that I didn't really want to do the job that I thought I was going to be doing. And those opportunities were paused. So I did have interviews lined up that were canceled. I didn't have offers yet, but opportunities were coming off my plate. And that was really scaring me. But what really scared me again the most was I realized that's not what I wanted to do anymore. And so I was faced with my first of many career pivots at that time and figuring out how I was going to align my experience at that point and my education to go forward with a career.
0: Can you elaborate on that? So you had this pathway in mind. And then yes. throughout the recession and like canceled interviews and not getting job offers, you realized during this time that the thing that you wanted to do was actually not the thing you wanted to do.
1: Yeah. So I'll back up. Great question. So I was getting a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology—the three longest words you could put together, I think, for a degree—but <laughs> essentially business psychology with a focus in human resources. So I wanted to do, you know, the sexy, the gig, and consulting and travel and you know never be home and you know, do that type of thing. So I was really gunning to go for the, the big four firms, right? To work for one of those. And during this recession and during that transition period, I'd actually made a lot of friends that were in that industry already previous to the recession and was seeing how they weren't loving it. They were a little burnt out. They were feeling lost in their careers. And I'm not saying that is the case for everybody who works in that industry. Not at all. There's always You know, everyone has to find their fits. I was scared at that point to step into that type of role. And that's the role I was really going for and preparing for with my experience, with my degree, with my internships. That's where I was aligned. So I didn't know. Here I was, you know, two degrees, two loans, two really big student loans coming out with no job offers at this point. And I was really, you know, I was scared about what I was going to do, but you might be getting to this, but I was able to realign and pivot and really curate my experience and pivot into a different role.
0: So, walk us through that, so you gained some career clarity throughout <laughs> that
1: I did throughout I did. that
0: uh very stressful time. So how did you find the clarity in your career that I say, "Okay, this is actually what I want to do, not this that I was studying for?
1: No, great question. So this is the exact process that I take my clients through now as a career coach. I work with people who are specifically with women and who are recent grads and young professionals going through career transition, so much like what I'm talking about now so I really had to understand, first of all, what it is that I really wanted. Like I said, I was faced with an un, unprecedented situation in my life where I thought the job I thought I wanted was, I thought was going to be available, that not available. And then I realized I didn't really want it anymore. So I had to first really take some time and figure out what it is that I actually wanted and why I wanted it and really connect those two things together. So a lot of people, it's, you know, flexibility to travel, it's work-life balance, it's, financial stability. So I had to figure out what of those things I really wanted and then work backwards from there. So again, this is a process I do with my clients of looking at, okay, based on let's say my top 10 classes in school and the internships that I had, what were all of the hard skills, the soft skills, the transferable skills that I had. And I started to map those to jobs that were interesting to me. So I was still going for HR related positions. Uh, Training and development positions were really interesting to me as well. Creating programs. Those were all things that was educated and trained to do during graduate school and I ended up networking my way into a job in higher education. I aligned really well with that job. My boss saw that I didn't have a ton of professional experience but gave me a shot based on the way I was able to pitch myself by curating all of those experiences together.
0: You mentioned networking and networking seems to be a very big thing right now. Like everybody says applying online is very tedious and the other mm-hmm. way that's more effective is networking. So, can you walk us through more about how you were able to network into the higher education opportunities that you received?
1: Yes. I would say networking has probably always been popular, just people are maybe more aware of it now because I will say one benefit with the pandemic has been the opportunity to reach out to people across the world and have conversations that maybe we wouldn't otherwise have had. So, for me, I am naturally a people person and I recognize that. And I know that for introverts, it's not always as doesn't feel as approachable, but it definitely is. And so for me, relationship building and networking and being of value to other people has just been always very important to me. So I took a lot of steps to do this in graduate school. So I actually got permission my last semester of graduate school to take a week off and go to networking events in Chicago. So at the time I was living in Tennessee and I'm currently in Chicago still, and I had, um, Applied strategically, like I said, using that process I talked about earlier, strategically applied to jobs that were really well matched with the skill set I had curated and spent a week. So I got permission to take a leave of absence from my classes. Mind you guys, this was probably three weeks before midterms in my, in my last semester of graduate school and networked my butt off. I came to Chicago for eight, seven days and attended, I think, maybe 10 or 15 events during that timeframe. And, but I had already reached out to people on LinkedIn and you guys, this is 13 years ago. Okay. This was not like social media wasn't hot then LinkedIn wasn't what it is now. This was old school networking using LinkedIn for what it was originally meant to be. So I had warmed up those relationships on LinkedIn first. I reached out to people, found networking events, had coffee dates, had lunches, went to old school in-person networking events and made those relationships. And at one of those events, I met my future boss got his card, followed up. There was an opening. He emailed me about the job, flew back to Chicago to interview and ultimately landed that job. But it was a longer process from that networking event to hire was about six months.
0: That was actually one of my questions. Like, How long did it take you to... <laughs> implement that networking strategy to get to your next opportunity you said six months and i think the common thing that a lot of professionals don't realize is that networking is a long game like people expect like having a few conversations will get you that next opportunity and then they get frustrated that they're not getting those opportunities as quick as they thought based off the networking Mm -hmm. so what are some additional advice that you would provide professionals that are looking to network to their Mm -hmm. next opportunity
1: yeah, this you know, Max, from watching my content on LinkedIn. This is one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about. So I'll try not to go off on a tangent here. But the first thing is make it approachable. If you're not used to networking and having conversations with people makes you nervous, that's understandable. Start with who you know. You already have. The great news is networking is a free value-add asset to your career that you already have. It's a strategic tool already in your pocket right now that you don't have to go buy. So, start with who you know. Reach out to your friends, your family members. If you go to workout classes in person or virtually, that's a network right there. So, that's one is looking at who you have in your life that you can talk to, and that's not going to be intimidating. Secondly, what I just mentioned was creating that connection. So, again, if you work with them, if you're friends with them, if they're in your family, if you work out with them, you already have a commonality. That's a great way to start a conversation. If you're doing this virtually and using LinkedIn, which Max and I are huge advocates, of course, of using this platform, And we don't work for LinkedIn, so we're not. (laughs) But if you're doing this virtually, commenting. I know Max talks about this too a lot on his content. Commenting is one of the best ways to network because you're starting a conversation. You have time to think about it. You're not facing that person right away. And you can leave a really personalized value add comment. And I will guarantee you nine times out of 10, that person's going to comment back or write you back and you can build a relationship that way. So those are three main strategies I would recommend to people.
0: Great, and just to rewind a bit, what are some common misconceptions about the job search? Like for you, when you were in university, mm-hmm. what did you think the job search would be like? Was it like just apply to a couple <laughs> places and get a job? Like what, because there's a big misconception on like yeah. how strenuous job search is, and like from the two curveballs that you've that you'll be talking to us about, that you'll talk about the other one a bit later. Obviously, you didn't expect it to be like that, right? So, what was your perception of job searching when you were in school to like now as you're a bit older?
1: Great question. So much like most recent graduates, my perception was, hey, you know what, I got, I checked the boxes, right? I picked the right major, I got the quote, unquote, right right degree, I got the right experience, got the internships, did all of the things right. So my perception was, okay, I'm going to apply for a handful of jobs, have some interviews, and bam, you know, career started, you know, trajectory started, it's going to be that simple. I was wrong. And You know, we're not meant to be misled, but unfortunately that perception is perpetuated in school. That is something I definitely want to change, but that's what I thought it was going to be. It was not that. It was definitely, like I mentioned, really getting clear on what it is that I really owned and what I had in terms of skill sets, hard skills, soft skills, experience, how I think the biggest piece that's missing right now that people have a misconception about is how to communicate. Job search is really about communication, communicating your value, your worth in a job application, in a resume, in a cover letter, on LinkedIn. You have to know how to speak effectively and clearly to the employer. They're looking for how you can help them. So communication is key. I think that's probably the biggest misconception about a job search
0: and just to add to that communication thing a lot of people like when they have their resume and they're getting these interviews and they're not land the job they blame it on the interview so they always try to tinker it yeah. and the thing is like <laughs> the resume is working you're just not communicating effectively enough but they always go back to the the resume right so like what's your yes. opinion in terms of how much should you tinker a resume even when you're getting interviews for jobs
1: oh max i could also do a whole episode on this too so this is again and this is no, again, I'm not blaming anybody. So if you're listening to this, I'm not saying that you're bad at what you're doing, that it's wrong, what you're missing some pieces here. So the biggest thing I see with my clients that I work with when they're looking for a job is, and much like most job seekers, they're casting too wide of a net. So to your point, they're tinkering and they're updating that resume to fit the job. They're trying to fit into a job description rather than knowing effectively how they actually fit into the job. They're trying to fit into the wrong box. And that creates a lot of, time wasted, a lot of energy wasted because they're tinkering to fit into something they may not even want or don't even know really how they fit. And so they spend an arduous amount of time trying to fit somewhere that they don't actually fit. So this is not to say that you should not tailor your resume. You absolutely should. But again, it goes back to clarity. You need to really understand for yourself Again, what you want, what your skills are, what your value is and how you're going to articulate that because when you have that nailed, tailoring your resume becomes simple and becomes a lot more time effective and you're not wasting hours of your time updating your resume every single time. You have, you have templates you can use.
0: Oh, right, great. And let's move on to the uh, next phase, the, the next curveball. Uh, so why don't, you, uh, <laughs> why don't you walk us through the second curveball that, uh, that you faced?
1: Yeah, so this was almost... 10 years after I left graduate school. So this was not that long ago. This was exactly 30 days after I got married and I was laid off by my corporate position. And it definitely was a shock. Well, let me take that back. I, I saw the writing on the wall. I knew it was coming. It was a shock because I thought the layoff would be six months later than it happened. So I'll, well, I, can go, I can keep going, but I'll let you.
0: <laughs> yeah, keep going. This, this is a lot of right. How did you knew it was coming, but you were expecting it to be okay. later? Yeah.
1: So I knew this was coming because this is from experience. So I was formerly an HR business partner in a previous role and I had gone through a merger and acquisition with that with that company when I was in HR. So working on that side of the business and you know taking the company through that merger, I understood the behavior and the communication that tends to happen when that's going on. And I just want to preface, you guys, layoffs can happen for a lot of different reasons. You know, right now we're seeing that because of the pandemic, you know, companies are having to, they're not, they don't have budget. They don't have resources. There's a lot of different reasons. There also could be leadership changes. In my case, it was a leadership change. The company was going through a reorganization, new leadership was coming in. And so they wanted to do things differently. And I knew the layoff was coming because I had been hired only nine months before the layoff occurred. So I was the last person hired on the team and then therefore the first one to go. And that typically does happen if they're doing layoffs, often they'll look at, and again, it's not to scare people, but typically that might happen. If you were hired more recently, you might be the one to to be let go first.
0: So to elaborate more on that, like, what are some signs from your experience, like working with clients and your own personal experience, like what are some signs that a layoff could be coming? Like you said, like merger acquisition was one or new leadership. Uh, What other uh, things should professionals look out for? So they are prepared that they should start looking at a certain period of time.
1: Sure. I don't want people to be paranoid. I would say those are the two biggest ones for sure that I see the most often for sure. Also industry changes as well. You know, if a company is trying to pivot into a new market, that might be something too, if they're shifting their focus, that could be a reason for layoff as well. But in my experience with myself and with clients, typically it's a reorganization, a leadership change, a budget, you know, a budget reason most of the time. So, and I would just want to preface, this is the importance of networking, right? You never ideally, you want to be looking while you still have a job. And obviously, that's not the case for everybody. You can't control that. I certainly respect that. I've been in that situation many times where I had no control. And then I did. That's why networking is so important. So you have that network to lean into when you're ready to make a move, whether it's chosen for you or not.
0: Great point. And in terms of you getting laid off like 30 days after your wedding. So like, <laughs> what was the so like, I'm not sure how much you can divulge. So like, was there like a meeting? <laughs> and Hey, sorry, Andrea, we have to let you go? Or like, how, how did that all like work out?
1: Great question. So. Yes. I actually had just gotten back from my honeymoon and a meeting had popped up on my calendar that was not there before. And I actually saw the HR representative in the office and she actually worked in another city. So I thought, okay, interesting. Ad hoc meeting, HR reps in the building. I know leadership changes are happening. So I honestly put two and two together and I actually shocked my boss when I got into the room for the meeting and I just said, so am I getting fired or am I getting laid off? And he was stunned. He said, oh my goodness, like you actually knew like this was coming. And I said, yes. Well, I used to work at an organization where I went through an M&A, which is a merger and acquisition. So it actually was a very, it was a fine conversation. I was able to mentally prepare, even though that was a shock to have the meeting come up on my calendar day of, I was able to mentally go into that meeting with some control. But you guys, I'm also saying too, this comes from experience. I've been in a lot of high tense meeting situations where I had to think on my feet. So that came from experience. I don't want to say, you all need to go in there, come and collect it if God forbid this happens to you. That came with practice. So, and I will preface too, this job was not the right fit for me. So I was actually already starting to network prior to my wedding and looking for jobs. And I had already had interviews prior to the layoff.
0: Wait, just so to confirm, so you had your wedding 30 days before, but you just came mm-hmm. back from your honeymoon. Like, like, is it the first day after your honeymoon? My first
1: day back. Yeah. The first, day, first back day back after your honeymoon, happened. you had that meeting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's
0: a that's a bad uh,
1: honeymoon <laughs> yeah. present for your
0: company, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best, but you know, it actually it pushed me into where I am now as an entrepreneur. It was the best decision. That mm-hmm. was the best thing that could have happened to me, honestly.
0: And I'm excited to get into that, but let's yeah. rewind a little bit. Like obviously, of there's going to be a happy ending that we'll get to. But <laughs> uh, in terms of the conversation, so the one thing that I always like tell people when it comes to like layoffs is that it's never mm-hmm. personal. Like usually, yeah. it's very. In terms of layoffs, the like, majority of layoffs I don't think are. You, you correct me if I'm wrong, because you've been in HR. It's usually not performance-based. It's usually some external factor that you can't control. Again, like leadership change or a merger acquisition, or it's the fact that the company's not making a lot of money. So when someone's about to get laid off, like, should they try to like not take it personal? Or what's, what's your advice on that?
1: So I think a couple of things here. So one, I would agree with you that anytime it comes to business, it's best to take the neutral stance of it is not personal because most of the time it is not. However, I will say, depending on the layoff situation, they may consider performance as a way to consider who is going to be let go. So, let's say they have to retain a certain number of people at levels of the organization, they might use performance criteria again as a way to decide who's going to be laid off. And I'm going to be very transparent here. This organization, and I We figured out probably 90 days in that we were not the best fit for one another. And this was the first time in my career that I was not seen as a top performer. And that's not to brag. That's just to show people that when you step into a role that's maybe not the best fit for you, your performance may be affected. And most times are. So that might, I don't know to this day if that was the case, but to back up what I'm saying, it might have been partially my performance they felt I was underperforming and I knew that I was because the fit was not there. I was emotionally, mentally very strained in that job and I was not showing up to my best self. So that could have been a factor. I don't know for sure that was not brought up during my layoff conversation with the HR team, but that that's why I say that could be a factor sometimes in layoffs and being an HR business partner prior, sometimes it is a consideration.
0: So what is some advice for professionals out there that are interviewing for opportunities? Like, The saying goes is like they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. So what are some signs that you, when you walk into a company for an interview, what are some signs that this would be a good fit for you or stay away?
1: Yeah, I think it really depends on what it is that you're looking for in that position. So I'll use myself as an example. At that point in my career, I'd been working almost 12 years, and I was working at a very high-paced job. Prior to that in healthcare, I was working 85 to 90 hours a week. So I was looking mostly for work-life balance, was one of, a number one priority, and then also culture fit. So I came from a really great leadership team at, at my last job, and that was really important to me in this role. Now, I, I asked the questions. I had their annual report from the last three years. You know, I looked at the leadership team. I did all of those things. I did a lot of digging, and I asked the questions in the interview. I will say, you guys, so this learned from me. I was a seasoned career professional at that time, former HR partner, had been in leadership roles up to that point. I didn't listen to the red flags. So, what Max is talking about, I had a gut feeling after probably my third interview, and I had six interviews with this company. I had three interviews at that point, and alarms were going off in my head about the leadership team, and I ignored it. And I progressed through the interview, and I And I didn't listen to that. And that ended up not in my favor. So definitely pay attention. If something feels off and you're getting the answer that sounds right, but doesn't feel right, ask the follow-up question. See if you can talk to somebody else who's been on the team a little while, who's not part of the interview process. That's why networking comes in handy to do that. Now I had done that unbeknownst to me, the person I had talked to and a couple of people that I networked with were on different teams. And I did not realize that the way that I found their information on LinkedIn, it seemed like they were part of the same team. So that was a mismatch for me, which is why I went forward with the job, but really pay attention and double check how you feel after the interview. Cause most of us have a good sense of intuition. And if you have any red flag going off, pay attention to that. It might not be the right fit for you
0: those are the valid points. And <laughs> yeah, well, well, they are right. So when you have a job and you're looking for one, like you, you tend to be more aware of the red flags. But when yeah. you're laid out for like, months on end, because of like, for example, COVID, you might want to mm-hmm. grab the first opportunity you want that you get, even though it might not be good for your mental health. So sure. what is some advice yeah. for that situation where you've been laid out for a while, money's running low, and this might not be a good fit, but you want to do it anyway, because like, you just need that money coming in now.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, if that's the case, which I I understand I've definitely been there, you know, you know what your priorities are in terms of getting through that job. I would say then if that's the case and you have to take that position, do what you can to stay mentally and emotionally grounded outside of that job. So again, networking, having that community of people to help you stay positive. And again, I'm not an advocate for job hopping. However, I have pivoted and moved jobs six times over the last 13 years. So sometimes you do have to take a job that's a stepping stone for financial reasons or otherwise. So do what you can to stay, I would say, for at least six to eight months. Perform the heck out of that job, meaning do everything you can, do your work, get to know the job, give all you can to that job in terms of, again, showing up and performing. Get everything you can from that job in terms of education, knowledge, skill building. Continue to build your network and then make a graceful exit when you can once your finances are back in order.
0: That's an awesome plan. And in terms of the job hopping, I know this is a bit off topic. So, like, what's so you're not a fan of job hopping? I know people like they want to job hop every couple of years to have that salary bump. So, like, what's your advice? Like, what's what's your perspective on job hopping? Like, when's the right way to do it, and when's not the right way to do sure. it? Sure.
1: So, some people might call me a job hopper, like I said, because I've had you know six jobs now in thirteen years. So, I I have pivoted multiple times. I think you, again, need to pay attention to why you keep jumping jobs. So if it's, you're running away from a situation that you don't like, it's a bad employer, you don't like a coworker, it seems to be, and you keep ending up in the same position, you need to do some self-evaluation of, is it you? Is it what you're looking for? Maybe it's not the right fit. So I am not an advocate for jumping jobs just because it's not the best situation. And I say that as somebody who was in a toxic job environment, who end up getting laid off. Because again, you don't want to end up bad-mouthing that position no matter how terrible it is. You don't want to ruin your own reputation just because of a bad role. So be really mindful of why you're leaving. It doesn't mean you can't bounce, (laughs) like I said, in six to eight months or a year, but make sure you know why you're doing it. If it's it's financial gain, there might be other ways you can do that in the organization. And that might be something that you ask then in your next interview. You know, what is the salary structure? What is the bonus structure? What is the opportunity for growth? Is there professional education that I can have to keep growing my career? So I think there's other ways that we can look at that in terms of why you're moving on and what you're, what you're trying to gain from it.
0: So you always have a network of recruiters, right?
1: Me personally, or?
0: You speak to recruiters like in your industry, right? Or like, yeah, the peer
1: coach, yes, yeah. yeah.
0: So, what's their opinion of like someone that has like only like one to two year stints for like multiple roles? Like, it, it, do they get do these professionals get like red flagged or because I, I want to make sure that when people job hop too much, like, what what's the perspective of like job hoppers when they've only been in roles like one to two years per role?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a really it. It depends much like anything. It depends on the role, the industry, the company, what they're looking for. So I would say as a general statement and this is not you guys this is not the end all be all as a general statement industries like startups tend to be a lot more relaxed in their criteria and what they're looking for so they they really embrace creativity and moving around and like doing what's good for you some other corporate you know more traditional jobs like corporations may not always like that however i will say the key here is what we've been talking about is how can you explain how are you effectively communicating your experience and why you moved on. Because at the end of the day, if you're telling a compelling career narrative across all of your collateral, your, your job application, your resume, your your LinkedIn profile, it's not going to matter. I was that candidate. I job hopped. You know, People have asked me that question, but I was able to tie it together of how the, all of that culminated into an experience that the employer wanted. So it really comes back down to communication and how you're selling yourself with those transitions.
0: Great. And Going back to the the layoff conversation, so was it like a one hour meeting and then you got your things, and then you <laughs> like went home? Is that how that No, day work out? Um,
1: this was pretty quick actually. And I will say, and every company does this differently. So, you know, I don't want people who are listening to this to think this is the only way it can happen. Because I had an idea that's what's happening, it was pretty brief. You know, we had the conversation, talked about I did get some severance, talked about the severance package, you know, turning in my things. So no, it was about 30 minutes long. And then I packed up my things and I left within the hour. So not all companies will handle it that way. But I would say most you're going to be you know, exiting the company, turning in your your laptop, your badge, your materials within the same day or a couple of days. So that part, I will say, was a little emotionally jarring. I wasn't ready for that. That felt jarring for sure.
0: All right. So let's move on to the uh, personal conversation. So like, did you talk to your new husband like at like right away after you left the building or like how, how did that work out
1: Actually before that so I once we were done with the conversation I asked to excuse myself and went to a private conference room and called my husband he actually worked 3 blocks away from me at the time so I said hey I need you to tell your boss that I no longer have a job and I need you to come come get me from work and help me bring my things home so it was it was definitely emotional. And again, jarring from that perspective that I had to interrupt his day, you know, we weren't expecting that to happen. So yes, I'm not going to downplay from an emotional perspective. Yeah. First day back in the office. I didn't love that job, but first day back from the honeymoon, getting ready to do a full week. And then here I am going home, you know, five hours later, not even. So yeah, that was, he came to the office, got my things and got in the cab and went home and it was a pretty somber evening, but I will say I was relieved. I was very relieved. And I know that's not always the emotion that people feel, rightfully so, when they get laid off. But I was at a place mentally, emotionally with that job that it was not healthy anymore. So I was relieved to not have to do that. Sure, you're getting to this, but financially, it was also very scary as well
0: yeah so i wasn't good to that but before i get to that one of the big things that a lot of people recommend is having a support network once you get laid off so that you can talk mm-hmm. to people and confide with them so obviously you had your husband like did you, you also talk to like your family did you talk to your friends like how, how did you recover like emotionally from this experience
1: absolutely so my husband my friends my family and like i've been talking about this whole time i've always maintained a very strong network of professionals as well in different industries so I definitely leaned into that. Also, I was, like I said, I was already looking for a job prior to the layoff. So my network was already aware of the fact that I was looking, which helped me recover quicker, I think, because I was already, my goal was already set. I was there looking for jobs. I was already plugged into a different community outside of my my day-to-day. So that really helped me recover quickly as well.
0: Okay, now we'll get to the financial and your next game plan move. (laughs) So, okay, obviously now you only have one income in the house. What's your plan now from a financial perspective? And like, what was your next career move?
1: Yeah, so I will say to anyone going through this, the first thing I would do is, like I mentioned, I got as much information as I could in terms of severance because I needed to know, you know, what package was I going to get any money past that last paycheck? So things you want to think about here are what is your last paycheck? Do you get PTO? paid out, when do your benefits end? You know, how long is your severance? What amount is it? So those basic things are things you don't always think about because it's a very emotional conversation typically. So I'd let people know those are the things that main things you need to look at because it will help you create a budget going forward. Now I will say we'd always I have maintained a a pretty up to date, clean budget for my entire career. So I knew exactly where we were at financially and we addressed we had just had the wedding. So I was very aware of where we were financially at that point, uh, 30 days after the wedding. But those are the main things I want people to think about. So that being said, I had all that information from the company and then was able to sit down you know, with my partner and say, okay, here's the amount of income we're going to have left coming in. Like here's the date of my last paycheck. Here's the date of my severance ending. Where can we go from here? So we definitely made a lot of decisions to reduce expenses, you know, We had to not eat out as much, you know, not take vacations. We cut our cable, you know, things like that to really make sure that we had what we needed to continue having our apartment and could get groceries and things like that.
0: All right. So now let's go to your next phase of your career, AYM (laughs) Consulting. Obviously, the initials of your name. (laughs) So (laughs) um, yeah, I I caught that. But so I I looked at your LinkedIn before, right? You're job searching, but you were also trying to start your own like career coaching business. So how, how does this all play out?
1: Yeah, great question. So it's AIM. I know people don't know that. It's actually, I pronounced AIM Consulting, but you're right. It is my initial. So it's my maiden name and my married name. So we mushed it all together, which is great. So the job I had been looking for takes us back to the first curveball. I was looking to go back into higher education. So when I graduated in 2008, like I said, I thought I was going to be a consultant in the big four. I ended up landing a job in higher education as a career advisor. So Max, to say took a full circle as an understatement. That job set the tone for my entire career. And that's something I want people to take away from this conversation is sometimes these unexpected events like a layoff will happen to you. I almost, if you're already looking for something else, you're not sure what you want to do. I, I hope for you, it is going to push you in the right direction because it's done that for me multiple times in my career. So all that to say that first curveball I accidentally landed in higher education. Love that job so much that before the layoff, that was the team I was looking to go back to. So I had stayed in touch with my old team at, in higher education that entire time in my 13-year career. And I that connection, I was still friends. And I'd interviewed to go back to that type of role, actually was rejected from every single job I applied for at that old company. And then I, it really sparked the idea in me, you know what? I've been coaching formally and informally my entire career since I left that job. I think I can do this on my own. I think I'm ready to finally do this by myself. And I was scared, you know what list and I did it anyway. And so from layoff to filing the LLC for my company was three months.
0: So just to clarify for everybody listening. So you did job searching for three months, but you're still thinking about this aim consulting idea. And then you register the LLC in month three. And now you just focus full time. You didn't look for a job after, right?
1: I did not. So, good question. Sorry for that, if that was confusing. So, no, I've been looking for a job probably three months prior to the layoff. So, the layoff happened in June of 2019. For about three months prior to that, yes, I was looking for jobs back in higher education, got laid off, continued to look. And then you're correct, that August of 2019, I filed the LLC and stopped my job search and went full time in my business. Yes. But again, you guys, I'm a broken record. I was networking. I have had a career coach of my own for a very long time. She owns her own business. She stepped away from a full-time job and started her business. i had also been introduced at that point to five other female entrepreneurs. So the network was accidentally handed to me. I wasn't looking for that, but I leaned into that very heavily when I had the idea of even starting my business. So before I even filed the LLC, I had several conversations with those women about their business, what it looked like, what it meant to start a company, be a coach. So I did my due diligence before jumping headfirst into entrepreneurship.
0: So if, if it's possible, can you quickly walk us through how you land your first client, like from you registering the LLC to land your first client? So how that process come about?
1: Yeah, so full circle, even more. My first client was a woman that I actually managed at my job in higher education. She was one of my employees. And I have been coaching her informally for the last 10 years. I helped her develop her career, get new jobs, and I was in touch with her this entire time. And she at the time was ready to make a new move with her career. So she was my first client. She offered to pay me the fee and go forward as a formal client. So yeah, and she's still a client of mine, actually, two years later. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you, you built up a, a solid business now. So what's your business strategy now? Like I, I know you do LinkedIn content. You do I think you do YouTube as well. So like what's your like strategy now in terms of like building up that client base from a marketing perspective?
1: Yeah, great question. So like I mentioned, I work with high achieving women who are recent graduates and young professionals and looking to make a transition, whether college to a career, or into a new into a new role in a new career. So yes, I'm primarily on LinkedIn. I post five days a week. I actually just got approved for LinkedIn Live, finally. So that's coming soon. I am branching out into YouTube. So those are my couple main things. I also do a lot of things like this, collaborations, workshops. I do a lot of workshops and speaking engagements with other organizations, startups. And things of that nature to help give value to a community and have that reach to build up my business as well.
0: What are the differences between working your own business and then working for someone else? What are the main differences from, uh, I guess, like a, a work life balance perspective?
1: Yeah, so I think a big misconception is that running your own business is just so flexible and so much fun, and you have all the freedom and you have all the time, and oh my gosh, no one's breathing down your neck. And that is true. However, on the flip side, Because of that, you have to be incredibly disciplined. You know, Max can speak to this too. He works a full-time job and he has his business. There is no one making me wake up every day and run my business and reach out to clients and create content and do podcasts and do live events. I am doing that. So I would say, do it if you are excited about it, but be very realistic with yourself about the boundaries and the discipline that you have because it does take a lot of practice and a lot of work to create the boundary between your business and your life.
0: Especially when your office is at home, right? Because there's, there's no borders, right? There's no borders. <laughs>
1: yep, exactly. Like my office is on the other side of the kitchen. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's fantastic in a lot of regards and I love it. And I love being able to be the creative mind and have the strategy and have all the say. That takes a lot of work too. You're the one doing the marketing, the sales, the, again, everything. You're running the whole show. So there's, there's pros and cons to all of it. But I will say I don't intend to go back to a traditional job. I plan to do this for the long term.
0: That's great. Yeah, you actually answered my, uh, one of my questions, like, do you plan to go back to work in the near future? And the answer is obviously no, you want to focus on this full time, like full steam ahead. You
1: know, I always say never say never, but that's not the plan. But who knows if, you know, something comes along that's really aligned, and I can serve in that way, then I might entertain it. But for me, collaborations and contracts and things like that are really a great balance for me right now.
0: And going back to the the curveball from the recession that you faced mm-hmm. in 2007, 2008, from you coaching clients now, I'm assuming you have clients that got laid out due to COVID. So what were some of the differences between your uh, recession and COVID from like an uh, economy uh, job perspective?
1: Great question. I've been thinking about this because you asked me that question while we were preparing and you know, I think there might be a slight emotional difference in terms of I think obviously the global scale that we're feeling now from the pandemic people are very aware that this is something happening to a lot of people across the world i will say wasn't as aware of the rest of the world like many recent grads um, you know i feel like i was in my own little bubble coming out of school i felt very alone in that process and i can't i'm not saying that people now don't feel as alone but i didn't have as many friends impacted by the situation as people may do now so i felt a little bit more isolated and i think now because of social media because of networking because of the prevalence of the ways to connect i think there's a lot more connection happening now than there was then during that recession and the support is more accessible now in my opinion
0: i actually agree with that because now people are creating content on linkedin like 2007 2008 no one was creating any content on linkedin right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i do agree with that there's there's definitely a stronger online network from this pandemic and again it's very relatable because a lot of people got laid off the recession may not have impacted as many people, but COVID did. So I think, I do agree with that. I think the fact that there's a bigger online accessible network, although people don't want to get laid out from the job, they probably right. felt more emotional support getting laid yeah. off now than if they were laid off in the recession in 2007,
1: 2008. Yes, I would. Yes, for sure.
0: All right. And I want to end this podcast with one question that I asked all my guests. So my podcast is about like overcoming challenges and obstacles in your career, and you've had two curveballs. So with that being said, what is another roadblock or challenge that you've had faced, whether it's like personal or professional that you had to overcome to help you get to where you are today?
1: Oh, that's a big question. One of the biggest ones for me, and I see a lot with my clients is what I call the shoulds. So shoulding on yourself in terms of the expectations you have for yourself and maybe the ones that your family have for you as well. So quick background, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I'm a first generation daughter. Fun fact, my twin sister, yes, I have a twin sister is a doctor. Um, I decided that was not the right path for me. So I had to really overcome what we talked about to take it full circle back to the beginning of the conversation that a linear path didn't mean success. I had, to, I had to undo that notion that linearity meant success. And for me, I had to undo that notion because when I decided not to be a doctor, I felt like my entire personal and professional identity was over. I didn't know who I was anymore. So that started in college before I even went to graduate school. So the biggest lesson for me was really understanding that linearity and success have absolutely nothing to do with each other and that you can 100% be successful in your career the way that you want with pivots, with twists and turns, with curveballs, with layoffs, with everything, you can absolutely build the career that you want.
0: To add to your doctor point, I think a lot of professionals, their, their job or their title is tied to their identity. And yeah. I don't think that's healthy. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that?
1: So I would say exactly what you just mentioned is your career, your title does not equal your self-worth. You are absolutely a full, whole, complete individual regardless of the fact if you're working or not. And that is also something I had to practice for myself and build for myself. So, so for some tactical, I guess, ways to do that are I really advocate for my clients to keep a win journal and to write down both personal and professional wins every single day. Whether it's literally I went for a walk for 10 minutes, that's amazing. That's something you did for yourself and that's a win. Also making sure that you're connecting again with other people outside of your job so that your network is not just people in your industry it's your creative side it's your interest it's even if it's a netflix watch group or something whatever it is that you want to do make sure that you have that connectivity make sure that you know and practice thoughts and habits that build you up as a person outside of your outside of your job
0: well this was a great discussion you definitely provided a real life example of how you can take these curveballs and pivot them in a way to like prosper, right? So, the first time with the recession, you got career clarity. And then the second time, you ended up starting your own business that you want to grow for the foreseeable future. So I really appreciate you coming on. So how can people connect with you to learn more about you? And how can people reach out to you for your services?
1: Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This is a topic I'm super, super passionate about. So thank you for the opportunity to share. Yeah, please, anyone listening, reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Andrea Masek on LinkedIn. I'm connected to Max. So you can find me that way as well. And yes, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you and see if I can support you through a transition that you're going through.
0: All right. Thanks again for the time. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you again to Andrea for sharing her own career journey and how she was able to overcome the curveballs that she faced in her career to pivot to a career path that she loves and is going to stick with for the foreseeable future. The main message that I believe that Andrea wanted to share with everyone is that career success is not linear. Going back to her career story, she initially wanted to be a doctor However, through self-reflection, she realized that that was not the way she wanted to go. She had to do a few pivots. She found something that she loves, and she started a business based off that passion. And this has happened to me too, because in high school, I thought I was going on the career path of being an accountant. When I went to university, I realized that that was not what I wanted to do, and I ended up switching to marketing. And then many years down the road, I am doing career coaching as well. And if you're a recent grad listening to this, stop trying to rush to find out what you want. I believe in your 20s is about trying different things to figure out what you don't want. So then as you get older in your late 20s, early 30s, you will have figured out what you do want from trying a whole bunch of different things. And then you can focus on that. So again, if you don't have everything organized in your 20s, after you graduated, you have a long life ahead of you. So taking a stride, enjoy the process. As long as you take action in your career, you will find the right place for you. Again, this is Chan with a plan to the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you found this episode useful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn where I post daily content on topics such as job search, career advice, and personal branding. That's it for me.